a lot of people have a lot of shit to overcome mm. and sometimes they chase that comfort and it's a pretty human thing to do mm-hmm. if you feel uncomforted in your life to seek comfort in some way that may be a maladaptive sort of behavior to try to find a way to you know be comforted and you end up chasing the dragon or or whatever it is You've been listening to my friend Shalom, and this is the Emotive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. It's a couple of days after Christmas. You know, the holiday is over. We're approaching the new year. And I guess that means a fresh start for for people, you know, a way to kind of start off the year with a clean slate. And for me, I guess that means just, just staying on the grind, so to speak, you know. I've developed a decent, healthy routine. You know, I want to stick to that. And, you know, that means more more episodes of this podcast, more conversations, getting to know people in the community and just expanding, expanding my mind a little bit. I'm really enjoying this and I hope you are too. This week on the show, we have Shalom, who's from a unique part of the world, you know, Victoria, BC, this little, this little island that's kind of near Vancouver in Canada. And, you know, her family has lived there for generations. You know, her and I get into some controversial topics, which I didn't really mean to get into it just kind of that's the way the conversation flowed to I didn't want to shy away from it I also don't have the most knowledge about some of these topics so I hope I didn't sound like a moron <laughs> I'm not sure but you know she has strong opinions and and that's that's okay you know and I, and I think that we disagree on some things and that's also okay it doesn't mean that we can't be friends it doesn't mean that things got combative or anything but you know keep an open mind when you're listening and yeah keep it respectful if you do uh if you do end up you know talking with her on twitter or anything like that uh and and you'll hear in the episode things did not get it did not really get heated it's just that it's just that we we did disagree on some things i feel and it made me realize that i have a lot of learning to do at the same time you know if, if you want to help grow the podcast, share it with your friends, you know, subscribe, uh, leave us a rating if you enjoy. All relevant links you can find on our website, pod.co slash emotive. And without further ado, here is my conversation with my friend, Shalom. So, welcome. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast, Shalom. And it's like... And it's like, I say that and it sounds like it's a double greeting because Shalom, (laughs) it's like a Hebrew greeting, right? It is. It's, it means, it literally means peace, but Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's the same as saying Salam Aleichem, you know, like peace be with you. It's, you know, yeah. So so do you, do you intend for the uh, meaning of the name to kind of like be, kind of be like the definition? Like It's it's my name. It's my actual real life name. It is. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't see that. That I, I don't know. I don't know if you told me that before, but I don't think I knew that. I don't. I don't know. I. I, I mean, I tell people once in a while sometimes, but mm. I mean, it's. Um, it's. I guess it's a little bit like hiding in plain sight, you know, when you That's use your cool, actual though. name. I mean, I mean, it, <laughs> of all like the the names, like people naming their kids after like fruits and vegetables, and like uh-huh. I don't know, you know. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty cool in the spectrum of all that. I mean, it's definitely like my name is biblical, but 
you know, it's such a common thing. Like, right. like what did what did Daniel in the lion's den represent? Like uh, faith or something? Faith, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, Just, yeah. Putting your blind faith in in the fact that you'll be rescued. I think there's a lot <laughs> of that in the Bible, really. Yeah. Like Job, yeah. Job, but he was being punished. I think. And, uh, Gonna be testing my Sunday school knowledge. There you go. Yeah, mine's pretty limited. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if we, like. I mean, I was raised Catholic, and uh, we actually, generally speaking, the Catholic Church doesn't really use the Bible so much as it uses a prayer book, which is like ep- excerpts that they have chosen hand hand selected yeah. for your Catholic yeah. viewing pleasure. We had we had little. This is uh, this just like sparked something in me is like we, you know, we, we would read from different um, books of the Bible in church. And of course, they would hit cherry pick stuff for holidays and that, you know, yeah. Christmas, Christmas is coming up today. Recording this is the 23rd night before Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thinking about we would always go to church and they would have some sort of a message about being thankful. Yeah. P- peace and goodwill. Those yeah. Kinds of things. yeah. Those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all, it was always kind of the same thing. And it was like for the kids, it was like, okay, we'll get through this. And then we get home and we'll open presents or something. Right. <laughs> it's like everyone's on their best behavior. We had to go to Christmas mass and that was super oh. late. Um, it, like midnight mass on Christmas Eve. And they took the you take your kids and then you, and you're not supposed to eat until you get oh, home. Man. That's, yeah. That's wild. yeah. So we got one present and, so you were doing like you're doing like <laughs> intermittent fasting before it was trendy. Yeah, we're yeah we're the original wow. original intermittent damn, fasters. Damn. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> intermittent fasting has been a thing for Ramadan. Oh for yeah, no, a I, long I, time immediately too. that kind of came to mind too. That's yeah. like more than yeah. intermittent fast. Well, how, how long will they fast for? They'll fast for like until the sun goes down. Oh, wow, I you know I wonder I kind of wonder if they if they did it as part of faith, but then they realized some, some sort of like health benefits or like, dang, this is actually a pretty good, this is like a good way to like clean our systems out. You know, um, I mean, Islamic people have really good, they have some really good habits. Like they're totally, um, they're really good about hand washing. Yes. You know? And so it's funny that like uh, most Islamic nations didn't have the plague. Like oh, is that true? Unwashed. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't go through that because they were cleaner than we were. Wow. At, the, at the time when the plague was huge, we believed that bathing was bad and that it, that's how you got shit was from bathing. Yeah, that's true. Cause... So we were always stinky and nasty. And, oh, man. Yeah. Well, it was just, yeah, they just didn't know how. Like somebody figured out cleanliness on one side and on the other side somebody messed up and they put some like dirty water in a wound or something and they well cholera was a thing too yeah that's because we didn't know what to do with our shit oh literally (laughs) dang it's weird it's weird looking back at like uh like ancient technology and how in some societies there was you know sewage systems and that in other places they're just like throwing their poop in the street doesn't make any sense but, oh yeah, that was again, like nasty white westerners. <laughs> like, well, because the information didn't travel, so wherever the uh, there were these places that were kind of like centers of uh, of learning, you know, 
And that and that, mm-hmm. that only came came about when agriculture got to a point where people didn't all have to be like out working in the fields and everything. we didn't have to be hunter gatherers anymore. We sort of extricated ourselves from the food chains to some degree. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting to see they're starting to uncover more of these um, these literally buried cities. And they're yeah. and they're able to find them through like ground penetrating radar and all that uh, yeah. radar. So over the next twenty or so years, there's going to be some pretty mind blowing discoveries. I feel like. Well, that happens. That is happening on a constant basis in places yeah. like Jerusalem and um, Rome. You know. Yeah. And I mean, they have to in Ireland too. Oh my gosh, Ireland is really going through a lot of that right now because they had um, you know been under the thumb of England for so long that um, anything built during the Victorian era, you know, or the the Georgian era before Victoria has just is just starting to be uncovered because they're starting to require that there be some kind of archaeological excavation, digging to ensure that there isn't or is something there when they build a more modern building oh, now. Yeah. I mean that yeah and and that's a that's a really good thing, you know. So they're not mm-hmm. burying history further underground, f- further underneath yeah. the structure. Yes. Yeah. And we're we're doing the same thing these days where I live. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a lot of it that has to be done if you even if you want to take it down a building that is yeah only a hundred years old, which yeah. seems like a lot for us, but in, in retrospect, in you know, in relation to other much older cultures, a hundred years yeah. is really nothing. And, you, but, and you're um, and you're in like Western Canada, is that right? I live on Vancouver Island, just off yeah. the coast, the mainland coast in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. So what? what and we. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, well, there's just a lot, we have a lot of uh, First Nations um, things that we discover when we have to do our own archaeological investigations prior to building a new a new thing or reconstructing it. We also have to take earthquakes into account as well. It's a very oh, seismically wow. active place. Well, we're on the yeah. far end of the um, San Andreas Fault. Sure. So, and that's why the island is here is because they had a volcano. Of they had, a, they had a, <laughs> an earthquake big enough to tip this piece of land on its side. Damn. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, I live on an island that's made out of granite. Now, what? That's that's so wild. I remember we kind of because you and I got together uh, mm-hmm. because you were so you were so kind to volunteer your time to this project that never really came to light. I was kind of involved in this game jam. I was helping another one of my friends. And I was like, you know, it'd be really cool because he was going to have me work on the sound for this game. Mm-hmm. And at, when we we're going to get some we're going to get some really cool voices for this like loud. There's this like this loudspeaker. The machine. Yeah. The yeah. loudspeaker person. <laughs> but, <sighs> but sadly, like all those all those like voice lines that we recorded, we never used it because we canceled the game. But uh, we we, yeah. we had a, we had a little bit of a conversation there. And I remember you were telling me about kind of where you lived and and there was yeah. there were some interesting things about it there was something to do with the um the port there or or maybe it was like how how tourists what well, like what tourists go to when they when they come there um oh i think we were talking about how um uh when people come in on on the um the big ships and stuff yes. like on the cruise ships yeah yeah it because we are in Canada and so close to the U.S. A lot of ships either come here to Victoria or go to Vancouver, That's which is a much was. larger city, um, because it's a legal loophole for the way that they employ their people. Oh. And because we're considered a foreign port, 
Um, <laughs> a ship that stops in a foreign port doesn't have to doesn't have to hire Americans. Oh, so they have so on the face of the ship, you know the the people upstairs. <laughs> mm. Those people are all you know largely Americans. Um, but anyone who works in the food service or the, you know, housekeeping or anyone who lives in the bowels of the ship the entire time that they're on the ship, oh, they're all largely, like, you know, Filipino or uh, some such, you know, developing country. Right. Where they really don't have to pay these people very much money. And because they're living on the ship and they're fed and they have, you know, a place to sleep, they don't really need to buy things for themselves. So all their money that they earn goes home. Yeah, to support families, and so there, it could be a parent, you know, who lives away from um, their children for years at a time. It, it's not un- uncommon for someone not to see their children for five or ten years. What? Oh wow! I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's oh. it's. I've heard it from too many people. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of wonder how they feel about their lives. Like, do they feel like it's a good job? Do, do they live well? Is it like helping their family a lot? Like all of these things. It's getting their kids to school. It's getting them fed and clothed. And in an economy where they cannot find the money, make the money that they need at home, it is something that they consider, you know, for them, it's a noble cause. Hmm. They're extremely dedicated to their families and they'll do whatever they can. Yeah. I just wonder, like, how is it chiefly these sort of disadvantaged populations of different countries? Like, how do they recruit them? Do they like, I I know from from um ex- little bit of experience like my dad ran a harvest crew um with my uncle and they had that business for many years and there were people who would recruit recruit guys from South Africa and these were you know mm-hmm. mostly um Caucasian guys that were mm-hmm. that were farmers that lived there but like the the way the money worked you know the US dollar is much stronger in South Africa at least at the time yeah so these these guys who are farmers in their off season they would go and they would do harvest harvest crew because it was like just because they had the experience yeah. they had the the knowledge and the technology at home yep but I imagine that they because like as you said the rand is is really really low yeah that they would have um, but it's it's just yeah. it's just it's just kind of crazy that that there, there there's a specific like recruiter for that. And it's and it's somewhat of a small business, but there's enough demand for it to where somebody does that, and then and then they they take care of you know getting the people their documentation because they have to have mm-hmm. um, a visa and they have to be under workman's comp and all these U.S. regulations. But these guys, yeah, and it's yeah. and the and the employer also has a certain amount of expectations that they are, you know, only hiring these people because they can't get Americans to do it, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. You know, it's uh, it's just that we have a nanny thing in Canada, you know, and people who work in like the, the famous Tim Hortons. Oh yeah. <laughs> our, our Tim Hortons um, employees here are largely from developing countries and Interesting. probably come here for the same reason because some recruiter went to get them. Huh. There's sort of this, yeah. there's sort of this, these, uh, these little deals that are going on, but if it makes their, if it improves their life, you really can't argue with it. So they're willing they're willing to do the work and and like you said like it 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 does um serve a need for them 
It's, it does. Yeah. And, and these guys that came over from South Africa, some of them ended up liking the U.S. so much they wanted to get they would get like an extended visa and some of them ended mm-hmm. up staying here. I know that a few of them had gotten married, you know, met women and got married and and all that. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. It happens for sure. A lot of people who come here for the same reasons, regardless of the, of the kind of employment that they go into. Um, we ha- we also have seasonal workers who work in our farms and things like that in the, in the harvest months. And some choose to stay and some kind of do it as a circuit because um, the harvest season will start earlier here than it will yeah. in the States. You have just have a longer growing season than we do, okay. of course. So they'll come here and do like apples June, and July, strawberries. Stuff like that? Well, uh, yeah, July is is a pretty big month, mm. but August August and into September for some places, you know. But mm. I mean, you guys have oranges coming out just before Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like yeah, exactly. That's not that's not going to be a common thing here. In, <laughs> no, you know? <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's something that kind of goes unreported, but but it's all it's all by the books. But it's by necessary. The way. It's all by the books, it's and, nece- and it's necessary. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like we just, we, as you know, white Westerners don't like to to do those things. And, and if, if we did, um, the amount of money that a lot of the farmers would have to pay for their agricultural labor would create such a scenario where we would have to pay, you know, a lot more for the most basic things that we really take for granted. The system has worked for a long time like this, and there's been movements for workers' rights and stuff like that, but... But the fact remains, there's always the demand for these low-paying jobs. Yes, that we don't, that we at home don't want, but other yeah. people in other places, Mexico, you know, throughout Central and South America, they want to come and pick our strawberries for us. So there you do. go, there you go. And I'm grateful. Absolutely, I'm grateful. and and maybe <laughs> and hopefully there will be, and that's maybe some things that automation can help. You know. Like they get like yeah, there's people that that want to do these jobs, but but should humans be doing all these jobs? It's there's an argument there, right? Well, I mean, if they if we do automate everything, what jobs are there? <laughs> right, yeah. It, then we move more. <laughs> then, then then we're actually like just maintaining the machines, you know? Yeah. Manufacturing yeah. the parts for the machines, but the machines will probably get to a point where they can uh, manufacture their own parts, and they'll have like nanny machines that can like. Fix the machines, you know. It it really does turn into like Terminator or something. Or I suppose it could. There's an episode of Black Mirror, which oh, is don't tell me about that which show. is which is basically it's basically like what Amazon will turn into eventually, where oh. there's just like drones going around. They're taking they're taking As- Asimov further than he could have gone because he didn't <laughs> predict the technology. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get into a little bit of your of your history. And what, what, what I like to do on the show is, well, first we covered kind of what your alias is, which is really cool. <laughs> Actually, like alias without an alias. <laughs> yeah. Which was which wasn't going to take too much effort, but. Your influence is like what, why you're here, why you're like within the Twitch community, you know, video games, different interests. Obviously, you got the role play is is like a strong like that's the thing, a strong thing for you, yeah. D D D is what started it really. Yeah. How did you get started with, like, what what are like the origins of your interest in? 
either D and D or Twitch. Like, which one came first? Did you play D and D as a kid? Came long yeah. first. I am yeah. not a, a young person. <laughs> I am in my forties. Let's just we'll you just are this. no way. Yeah, no way. Yeah. Come on. Okay. No, it's true. All right. All right. I was so, born in the seventies. So when did you start playing D and D? In the eighties. <laughs> in the eighties. Wow. Say, during the Satanic Panic era. Did you ever, did, was there ever, um, was it after that whole thing or was it during that? Um, that didn't really hit Canada. No, we're no, no, we're, we're not prudes like that. Not prudes like that. No, we, we Canada. Um, (laughs) I don't know. We have largely, I mean, are are still to this day, the largest population of people who are identify themselves as religious or Catholic. We still have Catholics everywhere and Anglicans, you know, we're still, we're very much, we're a lot more colonial, I think, than hmm. the States remained being. Um, there's a lot of expats here and a lot of um, British influence, you know, spelling things with a U. I feel like, um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like people, people that are unaware of, of the landscape of Canada. By the way, if my mic is too loud for you, let me know. No, I've been no, I've been trying to match us up a little bit here. Um, no, you're good. You sound great. Thank you. But the uh, the thing is, like in Western Canada, it's much different than what it is in Eastern Canada because, like, isn't Eastern? Correct me if I'm wrong. Like, there's parts of there's like French. There's French Canada, like where there's French Canadians, mm-hmm. people who speak primarily French. Where mm-hmm. I where I'm from is in North Dakota, and that's like dead in the center, like Manitoba area, right? That's mm-hmm. not dead in the center, but it's it's central enough, right? And that would well, it's considered Central Canada. Is Manitoba it? is just geographic, like more sort of for the the population of the people. Like in the West, we don't have as many people as there are. Okay. In the East. Yeah. Okay, so so the, so the Eastern. Eastern Canada is the much more populated area. And then there's like, Oh yeah. And central Canada is kind of like rural. There's there, I know there's a lot of farms around there. Yes. A lot lot of farming communities. And Mm -hmm. obviously if you go North, it's basically like Siberia or something. I'm not sure. (laughs) It's pretty incredible up there. It's, I don't know if you'll, if you ever had a chance, I mean, even if you go to Alaska instead of like, you know, Arctic Canada, it's pretty amazing. You, You, the, People in Alaska and in the North are an entirely different breed. In Alaska, they don't have to be quite so hardy because they have many more conveniences, many more people. Mm. In but there are parts of Canada, you know, entire territories, very remote, um, very remote. Some that you can't reach by road because there's muskeg in between, which is just like. Ooh peat moss on swamp (laughs) so you can't build a road there until it freezes over so there are many many communities that are only reachable in the winter by ice road is that the ice road truckers thing that is real that's real (laughs) shit i'm not kidding that stuff is real that is so crazy one of the most dangerous thousands of miles of territory up there that can only be reached by ice road you gotta wonder like why like these communities have survived and how and why, you know? Well, I mean, originally the people themselves, the Inuk, um, they were all nomadic. And so they didn't have communities. They just, mm. they were nomadic and they, um, they were hunter gatherers and lived that way. And to the point where their physiology has actually changed. Um, there are things that an Inuit, Inuit people can eat that would kill us because it's just too rich in vitamin A, for instance. Whoa. Yeah. 
examples they, of that? You um, know? raw, raw seal. Oh yeah, liver. yeah. You raw know, like though. A, Whoa. Yeah, oh, that's that's their thing, and it's very very nutritious. And I and I, it's not for me. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, but they eat animals who live off of other sea animals. And there, and so it's just compounds like the same way toxins compound in in you know large mammals. The, uh, vitamin A is one of the things that compounds in in large, especially predators. You know, once you go up the food chain, you know the the the, the fish eat the krill, and the, and then the seals eat the fish, and then the polar bear eat the seals. Right. So yeah. by the time you hit polar bear liver, you're at super toxic levels of oh, yeah. vitamin A for Crazy. us. Yeah. But for them, it it keeps them healthy, and they yeah. are a much slimmer, um, more fit uh, community, and they have very tight knit communities because they have been accustomed to living, you know, automatic, very family oriented lifestyle, huh. and um, now they are. The government came through, as governments do, especially, you know, us people who, you know, had our start in England. We all, as imperial people, think that we know the best. And so right. we took all these people who were nomadic, just plunked them down in this randomly chosen place. Oh, God. And said, here, this is where you live now. And didn't give them a and choice, really? No, not really. No. In mm. our infinite wisdom, we, we've done a lot of things that are... Pretty didn't, didn't want to just leave their their uh, their little villages and communities be the things that have been going on for you know hundreds thousands of years. Yeah, they they felt yeah. like they knew best because yes, they're in charge and they want to keep yeah. people quote unquote safe or yeah. whatever. And and they also want to we want to educate your children, so we're going to put we're going to oh, take yeah. them away. Oh yeah, the education is great in, for them. Yeah, it's great. Yes, we're going to put them in these <laughs> residential schools. No, we took them away and put them in residential schools. Oh my! And the last of the residential schools in Canada did not close down until the eighties. Okay. And it's 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 an extremely sad, very very horrible huh. thing that we did to generations of First Nations people in our country. Oh, that's too it's bad. Deplorable, and and it's still. It has passed um, a lot of pain down the line and has created difficulty for people to have an, um, you know, a good idea of what a good family is and how to Aww. be a good parent. Because we've taken that away by putting them in these schools, shaving their head and beating them for practicing their own traditions. Oh, my God. And so there'll be people, there'll be children who come and are not allowed to speak their, their language from home. They get they go home, and they can't communicate with their families anymore. Mm. And then you have these children who are they're shunned by white people because they're not white, and then they're shunned by their own communities because they're not really their community anymore. Mm. They're just this strange hybrid that don't feel like they belong anywhere. And and that's the legacy that we've left, and it's deplorable. I'm and I, it's something that I didn't even know about for most of my life. It was a very so what was, how did this come to light for you? Was it, was it through like how, through the internet, through reading yeah, about it? Yeah. yeah researching yeah, and yeah. people just talking to people about yeah. it. And I mean, my grandfather lived on this, like I live on an Island and it's a pretty substantial Island. Mm -hmm. um, it's not huge. I just call it my little Island all the time. But anyway, <laughs> there are hundreds of smaller islands between us and the mainland and on the other side as well. And, um, they, my grandfather lived on one of those tiny little islands and, um, 
I think it was probably maybe five miles by 10 miles or something like that at the most. Whoa. Just a little, little tiny place. And it was beautiful. But there was an island that we sailed past on the ferry every time we went there. And I was told um, that I couldn't go there because they would kill me because I'm white. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it, complete fallacy. Okay. It, it was based yeah, on it racism. Was, oh, just <laughs> you know? based on racism. Basically, they, yeah. they, they were just afraid yeah. of them because they're a different color. Yeah. Exactly. It was just it was and, just disinformation passed down the line because they yeah. they just didn't understand the people, so they didn't want to Yeah. Wow. Exactly. And and yeah, so I sailing by every time I went to my grandfather's, I did not know and I found found later and it really broke my heart a lot to know that there were children my age when I was six and five and seven and eight and nine, ten, sailing to my grandfather's island. I was sailing past children my own age who were locked up in a school Oh, because their skin color was different than mine. Wow. Yeah. And, and what did, what did all of, yeah, we, you went over it already, but what did all of that, what did all of that do? Did it, did it assimilate all of these peoples to, I, to, I, to, I, I mean, I, I mean, was, I know that was the goal, but I mean, did it, I don't know. It seems like it, I don't know. It's like I, it did way more harm than good. And I don't know what, I don't ooh. know really what good it did I, from what it sounds like. Well, we've had a, a whole tribunal in Canada, an entire, you know, year's worth of information being gathered and people telling their stories, you know, to gather information about um, the truth of what would happen to, to so many people that most of us, you know, in the Western culture didn't know about or didn't care enough about to do anything about it. You know, like my parents didn't like my I don't think my parents really knew what was going on either. Hmm. It was just. You know, I don't know whether people tried to tell them yeah. it was none of their business or nobody questioned it and nobody knew about it really. Hmm. And it's, I don't know. And it's not an excuse. Like, why didn't we? Why didn't we know what was happening to all these children for generations? That's, you know, there, there were, you know, grandmothers and grandchildren and great grandchildren, you know, like it, it, who had all gone to residential schools. Oh, wow. And there were so many deaths and so many children, children, my, the same age as my children, who were committing suicide because of what they were going through. Yeah. That is just. So we, yeah. It's like, so gen, we're having it's, now, I mean, it's, it's like genocide level almost. Like It is practically. It's at the very least cultural genocide. Yeah. The very least. But, you know, a lot of children didn't make it and um or were um came out with ptsd or mm. any number of of you know um, so, so, so mental so, illnesses so like so like what steps is the government <laughs> going to take to 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 help heal this or are they just going to try to well, sweep it under the rug or put a band-aid on it i think there's a lot of band-aids going on mm. but there are a lot of people who genuinely want to do something about this and and we've been going through this this process called the truth and reconciliation commission um to start at the very at the very start listening to people's stories and you know thousands of people have come forward to tell their story about what happened to them during the time that they were in these um schools or when their uh, children were in the schools or you know, um, people needed, people really need to tell their stories. And that at least has started. I mean, I don't think that very many people in the, in the First Nations communities feel like anything 
has come close to, to fixing this. I know that they've put out some money, you know, like, you know how it's like a lawsuit and you give right. everybody a few grand and say, there you go. I've paid you now. You know, I, mm. I, I think, I think that more has been done in the, uh, the term, the last term and this term of our current prime minister, who everybody thinks is this gorgeous guy. <laughs> right. Everybody's seen Justin Trudeau. More has yeah. been done during his, during his terms. I, I just, I, I don't know what's enough. I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't be the one that decides what's enough. It's it wasn't me. Yeah, was of course. So where could people go to read more about this? Like, are there, is there, well, I mean, there's the truth and reconciliation commission. There you go. In Canada is one place to start, but, you can look at a map of Canada with all the different um, First Nations territories on it. And you can click on that and go and see what they have to say. Okay. That's what you want to hear yeah. about. You don't, you know, I don't want to give you my perspective. Yeah. Exactly. It's not my business to tell, like, it's not my story to tell. I, I can only give you an outsider's knowledge yeah. and, and, you know, tell you how shameful I've, I feel. I mean, I've only heard murmurs. <laughs> I, that, this is, this is the first time I've really heard th to the extent of what you're saying. A lot of, a lot of the things that I've heard as far as like, you know, um, crimes against first nation people in Canada is the, the, the disadvantaged women that have gone missing over yes. the last, you yep. know, 20 years or so. And murdered indigenous women. Yes. Yeah. Many, many, like there's, you know, or, or I, I indigenous or first fraction. nation. I never really know how to, um, I, I think you have to ask individuals what they prefer. Yeah. You know, um, I, I still use the, the term first nations because that's gotcha. what I grew up with. Although gotcha. there's some people who prefer indigenous. Right. I just, and I just if I'm offending anybody, I apologize yeah. for my, well, like, my yeah. settlers terms. Yes, of course. <laughs> I, I just remember, I, I see these documentaries on it and there's, you know, people that are, are setting up volunteer organizations to search for these women and mm -hmm. try and try to, uh, you know, uh, get people prosecuted for, you know, women being murdered and dumped in rivers and, all of yeah. its horrible crimes that, that that really it's it's like it reminds me of how you know hearing about in the like maybe 60s and 70s when when kids who ran away from home and and if they were like sex workers or something and they were murdered or, or even like you know like adult women murdered in cities if they were if they were sex workers they would kind of just like not really investigate the crimes very far they're that's like exactly how that's exactly how it is. And they just assume that that's what's going on with any um, First Nations child who runs away. Mm. Oh, they must have gotten involved with drugs. They got mm. involved with prostitution. Um, there's nothing we can do about it because they're just off being prostitutes and drug dealers. I mean, I mean, in your opinion, is is some of the end result of the these these tragic, tragic ends to these women's life? Is it is it is it, is it a result, possibly a result of 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 the system that they were in? like? But, oh, you yeah. Know, yeah. I mean, it's undeniable. I mean, even if not every one of them was a victim in that sort of way, um, I would I can only assume that a large majority of, of women who have I mean, people don't become drug addicts because they've had a happy life. Yeah. You know, if you there's studies and, and statistics about the people who are homeless and um, who are addicted and homeless. They, I think that the number is something like 85% wow. of people who are homeless or drug addicted or both um, have been the victims of severe childhood trauma. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. 
And so I think, you know, that's another thing that I feel like we should have a whole lot of compassion about because people don't end up in those places because um, they just didn't try hard enough, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of shit to overcome. I and mean, sometimes they chase that comfort in, it's a pretty human thing to do. Mm-hmm. If you feel uncomforted in your life, to seek comfort in some way that may be a maladaptive sort of, you know, behavior, you know, to, to try to find a way to, you know, be comforted and you end up chasing the dragon or, or whatever it is. It's, you, you know, there's, there, your, your life is so out of control that yeah. you find things that you can control. Like there's, there's, you find yeah, like little pieces of comfort. And for those of us who have a roof over our head and that, we might find our comfort in food or television or the internet. D&D. Yeah. D&D, <laughs> like these, yeah, these uh, us privileged people, yeah. we have our little comforts, but if you're without mm-hmm. a house and you're on the street, like what is, where is your comfort come from? I mean, exactly. Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's and a, how did it's you get there in the first place? Yeah. How are you somebody that, that, that um, lost your home? Because everybody yeah. starts with something, you know, and then things mm. happen, you know, a series of events that ends up in yeah. you being kicked out of whatever home you were in. Yeah. And once you're out, it's so hard to get back into housing once you're out of it. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't like know you what have it's like. Yeah. Person last rent. Mm. You know, like you need you need to pay for the hookups of all your utilities. How about how about the like fact how about the fact that people like the the criminal system will uh, you know will will arrest someone for a small charge and then the person doesn't make their court date or something and then they're fined and put in prison mm-hmm. and then and then they're spit back out with debt mm-hmm. can't find mm-hmm. a place to go they got to find know, a way to make money now. and now it's harder to find a job and then mm-hmm. you know the, the cycle is just like well you feel disrespected you feel you feel like you're um just discarded so then you're mm-hmm. what is your attitude like do you feel like you want to be a productive member of society or well, you, or and, are you just going to lean on yeah who knows yeah but and also have a look it's the same in canada as in the states i mean the the percentage of people who are of um first nations population in culture you know um it's it's much larger than it is for us white folk mm. and down in the states i i know it's the same thing for people of color to be the largest percentage of, of people in in the prison system yeah and in in and why is that do you think it's like well <laughs> well guess who runs the shit man yeah <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> yeah. there is yeah. hope though there is hope i mean I don't know if you've well, heard. I don't know if you've heard of drug court. It's like a separate type of. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, a, it's a separate way of being prosecuted for nonviolent crimes. You know, and, mm. and, when, and when what do you need when you're on drugs? You need to be in prison where you're around savages and like other people who are going to enable you. And yes, drugs do make it into prison. And mm-hmm. does it does it cure you? I mean, you go through like horrible withdrawal symptoms, and then you're not really treating the core issue yeah yeah i mean but but in drug court they're put through like like either rehab or they're put through you know very strict like for for example a celebrity Artie lang i don't know if you know who he is he was on howard stern show he's a comedian yeah he's been around forever and he's famously a serious drug addict he was on heroin and cocaine and a lot of his like contemporaries have like died of overdosing him somewhere of some reason, this guy is still <laughs> he's still alive 
and he's going through drug court right now and he has to do a pee test like i don't even mm. know like at least once a day mm. <laughs> you know and he's like he's like meeting or maybe it's not once a day but it's at least like maybe like five times a week and it's pretty intense and you know they're giving him like a support structure to actually like rehabilitate versus just like locking mm. him up in a cage whereas let's let's say you're like dealing drugs that's a different thing but just like using you know. Yeah, I think I think we're making effort. I think, you know, there are systems in Canada where we are making an effort. Um, for instance, there's a place in Vancouver um, where they do have, of course, a lot of IV drug use and a lot of um, uh, opioids and things like that. And they've actually started a, a prescription heroin group. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's only a, by a study right now, mm. but basically they are a group of doctors got together. They decided they wanted to do this trial and see if they could, um, help people through their lives, um, by giving them actual heroin, um, okay. that they were able to, to safely inject twice a day at an office, you know, a safe injection site. And what they've done is they've, yeah, they've, they've given them a maintenance dose of heroin twice a day. And these people have maintained housing. They can work. Yeah. Just because you're on heroin doesn't mean you can't, you know, you're not capable of working. So, but these are all very long-term drug users who have been through the, the, um, uh, rehabilitation like several times. Yeah. And just never managed to make it through. Yeah. Because boy, it's, if it's not, I mean, (laughs) Like, how do you, you can't just like kick it, you know, it's, it, no. you get on your own. It, it's pretty rare. Like you need help and. Yeah. And it's compassionate. Yeah. I mean, the amount of money that we spend on a program like that versus the amount of money you spend just charging somebody and putting through the, through the, the judicial system for doing exactly that, just injecting and, themselves yeah i mean and, and it, it seems like it it seems like it gets right to the core issue there's let's mm-hmm. just let's just assume it's just using it's not like other petty crimes or maybe violent crimes and other well, stuff associated with it even if it was petty crimes there can be like probation and stuff for for things like right. that and community service and but when you need to supply yourself with heroin twice a day well, every yeah, day well, i mean what you do the crime you do, is gonna you, go hand in hand with oh that's that, that, that it's, yeah it's you know what not, being someone who hasn't been through that yeah i forget about that part yeah you yeah. even like even like guys in the 80s and guys and gals in the 80s that were addicted to cocaine they had these like you know a couple hundred dollar a day cocaine habits well how do you get that money you got to figure yeah. out you got to hustle yeah, you to start dealing another. it yourself yeah you know selling it to your friends just so to support yeah. your own habit yeah that's that's what or ended up happening get into something worse yeah and then you end up going to debt to the wrong people and bad things happen and it's just a big <laughs> snowball <laughs> pretty pretty bad but like yeah like you and i say this there is hope and and things are actually moving toward a more compassionate way of yeah of actually fixing people to where they can be productive do we really yeah. want people do we really want like millions of people locked up in cages or, no you we know, don't and, but what we need to start with though what it all boils down to is we need to look after children mm. if you make sure that parents and families have enough money and don't have to live in poverty um, that they can have a, you know, quote unquote, normal childhood. Mm. You end up with fewer people 
who are unhealthy, who have all kinds of medical issues, dental issues, like dental issues are freaking expensive, man. Yes. You know, one trip in an ambulance down in the States, that costs so much money. $10,000. Okay. You know what mine costs? (laughs) 80. 80. Wow. $80. Yeah. For like, for, I, for having, I, this happened a year ago. I had, um, no, two years ago, actually I had, um, a viral infection. Um, I had, or sorry, a viral bronchitis thing. I have asthma. It compounded my asthma. I couldn't breathe. They sat in my living room for 45 minutes, giving me oxygen, took me to the hospital, fast tracked me in through the hospital system. I had to stay there overnight, blah, blah, blah. 80 bucks. Thank you very much. Hmm. Yep. It just seems like these, uh, the political systems, the four year cycle, it's just, it's this pendulum swings back and forth. We can't decide on something. Finally, we've gotten to a yeah. point where I feel like someone is going to have to take action and fix this before we erupt into some sort of a civil war because people <laughs> are fed up. I'm yeah. fed up with not having, not being able to afford health insurance, like good health insurance. It's crazy to me. It's the wild. American health system is the most expensive health system in the world. Yeah. You know, and, and it's because everything is for profit canadians yeah we have to wait a little bit longer for elective let me just you know make sure i put the emphasis on elective surgery sure you know we wait a little longer for sure but any kind of emergency is handled every time any kind of surgery i need that is for medical reasons i get you know and we all do because if it's for medical reasons then we should be looking after our folks and that's kind of the the philosophy it goes with that, yeah. I mean, it go, it, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm, it's okay. No, I'm just hoping that that transfers and it continues. There's been a, a movement more and more to support children um, through schools, through um, all kinds of things to make sure that they have all those basic needs met. Mm. Um, and, you know, they're fed, they're looked after, they're educated. Um, they know that some, they're going home to somebody that loves them, you know, that kind of thing. Like, that's a real thing. And I think if we can continue to maintain that, we'll have fewer kids slip through the cracks. We'll just end up having fewer people who are unhealthy, who have trauma, who have all these things that lead up to these things that are life-threatening, life-damaging, yeah. horrible things that and, end them up in the in the, in the judicial system. And, and what's true is that there's never going to be a utopian society. There's never going to be something without issues people that do slip through the crash, people that are legitimately like mentally insane, things that mm-hmm. things that occur there, you know, and, and people that act up, but there needs to be a more like even way of dealing with this, not just yeah. throw everybody in a cage or mm-hmm. le- leave all the mentally insane people on the street to be, you know, like right. th- those who belong, who, who really need help should get it, you know? And, you know, I feel like, I mean, I, I really, it sounds like a commercial for Canada, this whole fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, I, I strongly feel that we have been making steps in that direction. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you've had a better, you had a, you had a head start. <laughs> we we got to yeah. do something. <laughs> so yeah. so uh, I saw this on a freaking, uh, I'll be honest. I saw this on a bumper sticker. So, I, so I thought I would, I, I would, I would share this with you and see how okay. you feel about it. Now, this is this is what people do around here in Colorado is they share their opinions on bumper stickers, you know, 
Okay. I had never seen someone with this one before, but it kind of ties into what you were saying. And I think I saw it maybe this morning. It said, you know, children that are treated well, behave well. And, and I thought, I don't know. I thought about that. I thought about that while I was driving. And I thought, I thought, well, I feel like that's way too general. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, children... I mean, what, how do you like? I, I needed to like ask more qualifying questions. Yeah, yeah, I have my own, and I think I think I treat them pretty good, but they don't always. <laughs> we had to have some serious conversation at the mall tonight during Christmas yeah. shopping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Isn't it more? Is it more about just being present and like like listening and getting them to communicate with you, like being open to to an extent, right? Yeah. And I think, I think really it's just another part of the golden rule. Children mm. are developing small humans. And if we don't treat them the way we want to be treated, then guess what? You know, you, you, you kind of need to reassess yourself. You're the adult in the situation. Well, they, it, it, <laughs> I mean, I, how much of it do you feel like they model, they model themselves after you? Uh, you know, there are some things they do and some things, some things that they were just born with. Mm. Um, I know. And, and I, and here's, here's my example for this. Um, my oldest child, she just turned 11 at the age of four, we were watching the news and it was during the Syrian crisis. Okay. And the news was displaying a, a family walking down some railroad tracks, carrying what we would call, you know, plastic grocery shopping bags, you know, the kind you get at the supermarket. Sure. And she's asked me why they're carrying the groceries on the railroad track. It looks pretty dangerous. And I said, oh, honey, those aren't their groceries. Those, that's everything they own. And she just kind of like couldn't quite understand. And she said, well, why, why is that? And why are they going? And I said, well, they live in a place where there's war and there's bombs and people are blowing up their houses and it's their own government and they have nowhere else to go, but away somewhere. They don't know where, they don't know how safe they're going to be, but they just have to try to get away and escape. And that's what they're doing, rock walking on these tracks. And she just burst into tears. She was four and uh, still already had the empathy wow. to recognize that this was a really serious situation. And her birthday is in December. And what we do um, for birthday parties is um, we have we, what they call a toonie party. So instead of getting a <laughs> gift from all your pals, you get a card. And inside the card, there'll be, you know, two, two Canadian $2 coins, which we call toonies. Okay. One toonie will be for a charity of the child's choice. And the other one will be for the child to buy something for themselves. So you have 10 kids there. You get a bunch of coins. Yeah, And sure. if you're not expecting a, whole, a bunch of families to pay for a bunch of stuff that, you know, it just, we don't um, need it. <laughs> you know, yeah. we don't need all the toys. We got grandparents. That's, yeah. And, I mean, that's, you know? that's, that's really smart. So, so how. It's a smart thing. How the so, kids, how, no, sorry, go ahead. I think you were going well, to get her to reaction at the time when we gave, we, she chose the charity. She always has chosen the charity. She chose uh, the immigrant and refugee society wow. um, because of that, those children. Yeah. And then when it came to dividing the money, I put in the little baggie and I match her char charitable contributions. So we had a little baggie of the, you know, the charity, little baggie for the kid. And she just hands them both to me and says, this is for the children oh, man. because they need it more than I need a toy. Oh my God. Fourth birthday. That is. And she has done the same every year since. Oh my God. And this was not me. Never asked 
never asked, never recommended. This is my child who was born with the empathy to realize there are people out there who are not as lucky as we are. How does and we that make, always need to yeah. be grateful for that. And we always need to extend ourselves to be able to help when we can. I think that I think she has modeled herself after you a little bit. How does that make you feel? <laughs> How does that make you feel like that she's been so like advanced emotionally at, at a young age? It's pretty I'm pretty proud that, you know, and and I can't I really don't feel like it's I can take any credit for this. This is something I have to give her all the power in the world for rec and recognize that she is such a good human being ever, you know, and she mm. always has been, you know, and That's, then that isn't something you can teach. You can teach the people that all these other people are starving and homeless and sad mm. and you know, and are in a terrible and, way. And, and, and just and just be thankful for what you have. And that's all yeah. you say, you know, like. Exactly. And that, that was instead, kind of the message that I got, but yeah. Yeah. But instead, she found the empathy within herself to want to give what she had to somebody she didn't know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's so, that's pretty powerful. And, and, yeah. and now she knows that she has the power to make a difference, you know? Yes. Yep. Like, who knows what that, and, like, anything came up to, you know, $40 plus 40 plus 80, you know, because I had to yeah, match it. <laughs> of course. But, so, but I mean, you know, a hundred and something dollars, you know, what a four-year-old's level is, is a and, pretty, it's a lot of money. And, and that sacrifice for others yeah. is, is important, you know, the empathy and maybe even like a call to service, you know, like wanting to volunteer and stuff like that in the future, it might be something yes. that, that she could yeah. get involved in, but Yep. We, uh, I've taken her to the homeless camp. Okay. We had a homeless camp here for people who like, we just didn't have enough shelter space, didn't have enough affordable housing. People are on the street. They just decided to get band together and made a movement out of it <laughs> and bless them all. They, yeah, they got, awesome. you know, they, they achieved a goal, yeah. <laughs> you know? Cool. And, uh, so we went down there and talked to those folks and just to ask how, you know, what, their lives were like hmm. and there were some there were some 18 year olds and 16 year olds in there and uh oh. that was a pretty powerful moment to realize yeah. that these are children yeah. these are children who are fleeing their homes so <clears throat> and yeah. and maybe if they get a little bit of help maybe get a little leg up they can get established and and start yeah. living start living life on their own terms right yeah yeah and what did you do to get here how can i learn from this situation so that sure. i don't end up here too Oh yeah, definitely. By the grace of God, right? Like, I mean, I'm not a religious person, but that is a serious thought in my head all the time. There, mm -hmm. but by the grace of God, go I. Did, now, yeah. you, you've you've mentioned before. Well, you kind of mentioned. Well, you mentioned right there that, that that you're not really religious, but you've mentioned that you kind of were raised. You were raised like Irish Catholic. Is that correct? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. That and uh, well, it's but but some. You, do you feel like some of the some of the stuff that you learned kind of gave you a bit of a moral compass or, or how do you, how do you find um, like, you know what? Like, I mean, I left the more, I left the Catholic church purposely in my youth um, because they had things that I just refused to believe. I could not support. I could not put my time into a place that told me that because people are gay, oh, I yeah. can't hang out with them or I can't be, you know, part of their lives and it's wrong and it's this and that. So I, I and that and <laughs> transubstantiation, I was told that I had to believe in transubstantiation. Oh yeah, sure. In order to take the Eucharist. Well, ex explain like, to people what that is. Okay. 
Well, you know, everybody's seen you go and you go up and you drink the, the little bit of wine and they give you that horrible cracker that sticks to the roof of your mouth. That's called the Eucharist. And that you're supposed to believe as the priest passes it to you, turns into Jesus and you put it when you put it in your mouth and you swallow <laughs> it. <laughs> like literally, you're, of you're supposed to believe that it is the body of Christ and that it is the blood of Christ. Yeah. You know, it tastes like a really horrible shitty cracker and the yeah. wine is just nasty and they water it down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, you're supposed to believe that it changes into that in, in you. It changes and, into money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, they're pretty rich. <laughs> they do pretty well for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I couldn't believe it. So it was like, okay, I'm done. Bye. You know, and, and I got mm. told on by the sister at the, at the church, you know, for... Mm. Um, you know, having gay friends and then father, then oh, father wanted to talk to me. I had to go to talk to, talk to Father John. <laughs> oh, man. So, <laughs> so I had my conversation and I left the church. <laughs> well, I mean, how did your parents feel about that? They, they just like allowed you to not. My mom, my, no, my dad didn't care because he wasn't like his family wasn't Catholic in the beginning. Okay. But, you know, the, the guy always goes with the woman's religion, you know, and. Um, Is that how it goes? Yeah. Okay. And because my mom was divorced, she wasn't allowed to take um, the Eucharist either, huh. unless she went to the to, unless she appealed to the Vatican and had her marriage annulled and made all of us bastards. Oh, um, she could never take the Eucharist. There's again. like parts of the Catholic religion that like surprise me. And and by the way, the the thing about like the man taking the woman's religion, I'm just I guess I've just not been exposed to that as much. Yeah. Yeah, I guess my dad, what was my, you know, it's, it's, it, that is funny because I think that my dad maybe went to the Lutheran church until, uh -huh. until he, that is what? Okay. And then we went to the evangelical church when uh -huh. my, when he married. Oh, okay. Yeah. <sighs> Lutherans are a lot more chill. Lutherans are pretty chill, cool people. Yeah. You know, yeah. Our, honestly, like through the church that I went to, uh, just it really wasn't but the thing was it's such a small community if the mm -hmm. if the situation presented itself would like would gay people be allowed in the church i don't even know yeah i, it, I feel like it was it was like a burn like a crot not burn that bridge Maybe burn that bridge, cross that bridge burn when he comes to it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It was just kind of like it was kind of like don't talk about it type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think there's been too much of that in the past. Yeah. People, uh, people here, at least in Canada, we're we're not taking that shit no more. I mean, we we only recently put into our constitution um, that you cannot you cannot. Um, discriminate against somebody by the uh, their gender their gender uh, identification you know if they they can't mm. so somebody's transgendered you cannot um speak hatefully against them anymore yeah. and you cannot discriminate against them for mm. based on on that and i'm super freaking proud of that that, that how do you, is a thing how do you feel about some of the some of the cracking down on language and stuff like that though what do you mean well, I don't I don't really understand a lot of it, but I think in some universities they now this isn't this is just more like within universities. I think they were they were kind of um, they really they were really like strongly encouraging professors to to call people by their preferred pronouns. Yes. Yeah. And and then when, when people refer, refused to, they were. That's, um, that's misgendering somebody. Hmm. And that is a discriminatory thing to do. Mm -hmm. 
if I walk up to you and tell you, hi, my name is Shalom and I'm a woman, <laughs> that is how you should talk. That's how what you should call me. Okay. You know, until at least a point where it comes, you know, the, in our friendship where you can give call me a stupid name. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like we have nicknames for each other or whatever. No, you have it. They have a human right to be mm-hmm. respected as the gender with which they identify. Do, do you do you do you, do you think that it could possibly be a slippery slope though with with uh, the government being in control of, of speech and you know compelling people to 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 not use certain words or You know what the government is making people do the right fucking thing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you you shouldn't be allowed to have that kind of like here in Canada we instead of instead of protecting free speech we protect people from hateful speech. Mm. But, that but, is who, the but, but who determines like where the line is drawn when it comes to hate speech? Like I'm, I'm all for treating people with respect. You want to be called a certain thing. That's cool. But then like, uh, w- when you start, when you start like clamping down on, on what people can and can't say, it's just, I don't know. Like you guys have a different de- determinate, like you guys really don't like, like free speech isn't necessarily a thing in Canada. So it's like a different, it's like a different world up there. Yeah. We, we protect people Hmm. from negative speech. Okay. Instead of giving you the automatic right to say whatever you want. Hmm. And the thing is, is like, I mean, I hear it. I hear people proselytizing about that and saying that you can, you know, that all this free speech stuff, it's, I mean, there's a lot of things that you just don't have a fucking right to say. Sure. You know, like we've we've already and even even in the states, in there are things we can't say. You cannot deny the Holocaust. Okay. You cannot say bomb in an airport. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that is protecting people from your being a f- stupid idiot. Of course. You know. But, but <laughs> and from saying something that is hateful to people. In in those cases, it's obviously the obvious intent is to harm or is to cause panic and stuff like that. There's obvious reasons why that is. Right. Now, couldn't you apply those those same sort of reasonings behind like the intent with 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 the speech when it comes there like you, it's, you, you if it's an accident very... if you misgender somebody by accident okay that's that's fine but if you do it on a serial like a, you know if you continuously do it you're obviously mm. not making any freaking effort right and you need to change your shit but, but what is what is the punishment for that how severe it can be anything from you going to the tri- human rights tribunal to like you know you can lose your job if you are a professional mm. And I think that's justified. You do. I do 100% think that's justified. Man, I don't know where I stand. I'm hardcore. I am a hard, I have a, I'm fanatical about that. I don't know. Even in feminism itself, there are feminists who believe that you you shouldn't, we should not be including transgendered women in feminism. And Mm -hmm. I think that's total horseshit. Mm -hmm. You know, just because, I mean, I know people, I know people who have, who are on that journey or have been through that journey and, and have come out the other side and are um, strong and capable and, and have faith in themselves and they're courageous and they're, you know, but they still face hate speech on a regular basis. And it's stupid. It's just dumb. Yeah. You know, why can't somebody choose those things for themselves? Why is it anybody else's right to tell them that they can't? That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have a whole lot. I mean, I, I, I definitely don't relate. And I definitely um, am pretty misinformed, not not misinformed, but ill-informed when it comes to uh, feminist issues. And like, you know, <laughs> about, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to become more informed on these things. Well, but men it, can be feminists, you know. 
Yeah, of course. You don't have to be a chick to be a feminist. That's right. <laughs> and hey, you know, like when it comes to like women's rights, so like, it's like I'm all for it. When it comes to like transgender rights, I don't know a whole lot. But uh, hey, right. you, you choose what you do. Like I'm all. When you. OK, I, I know a child that has that went to the school with my daughter starting in kindergarten. And she never, ever wanted to wear girls clothes because she didn't feel she didn't feel that that was her. It is it. She was convinced that she just was given the wrong parts when she was born and that wasn't her. And now she's, and so now we call him, him mm. and he, he, he does not, he's not able to go through any of the things that change your body or anything okay. like that. That's not a good, that's against the law, good. you know, but we have therapists out there. We have mm. psychiatrists who are specifically trained to identify that this is a genuine thing. Okay. And then we'll allow so that when that child turns 13, when their bodies start to change, you can buy them some time to continue to think about it by suppressing the sex creating hormones. Okay. So this child won't go won't grow breasts, won't right. have a period, etc. Because they're oh. gonna stop that from happening. This child will stay smaller. And, you know, there are things, there are other considerations to take in, you know, things to take into consideration, mm. but this child is being supported and is much less likely to take their own life. Yeah. Because well, the number of gay or transgendered children um, committing suicide is not acceptable to me. Agreed. Agreed. And and, there, and there's a couple of things that I would say, and, and these are just just maybe just ill-informed opinions or whatever, like, or maybe spot on, who knows. But um, when there's a kid who's like, you know, exhibiting kind of like abnormal patterns of behavior for their, for their whatever gender, right? Like you would say, um, like, like, like you said, like a, a girl who doesn't, maybe a girl that doesn't want to play with dolls, you know, like you kind of like mm -hmm. the, the parents just like let the kids act how they act they're not like forcing yeah. them to to like fall into those generals like, like you have like you have to play with barbies you have to wear dresses no, all these no, things no, no. just because you have to look like a girl so I, I i'm all for that you know and and i was glad that you said that the kids aren't like immediately going through like hormone therapy no, when they're kids no. but and, and here's my second point which i think that you'll probably agree with people that are gay and transgendered in that do you mm -hmm. really think that that's like you think that that's like a safe path? Like that's something that's like, who's going to choose that for who, themselves? Yeah, that's, that's what child. I mean. Like who, who is going to choose that for themselves? It's a much harder path. You're putting a target. It is. You're putting it. You're, you're, you're basically putting yourself in such a smaller sector of people that you would. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, you're in the, you're in the like five to 10% of the population versus like everybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the statistics are on that. Uh, but. I think 15% of the population is gay. Okay. And then a much smaller percentage of that is, uh, are people who are yeah. transgender. Yeah. So as long as like, and who am I to say, this is, these are just opinions. Like if like, and, and I, I don't have kids and, and I don't really, I have very few friends who would can be considered trans, you know, but like, mm -hmm. as long, I feel like as long as the person isn't going to regret it by like somebody, like almost like forcing or like convincing them mm -hmm. that they should, that they are. And they, and they really no. like, yeah, they no. if, if no, it's basically I mean, that I have never heard of that happening. Hmm. You know, like, of course, any parent is going to be like, 
come on now, do you really? And it, I mean, it comes out at a very young age that children say, I'm not a, I'm not a boy. I'm a girl. I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. You know what I mean? That comes out at a very, very young age because children have no freaking filter. You know, has, has they're going to be honest as hell with you about has, all that. Has shit. it been proven like how often and like, how often um, kids have said that and how often they, they do end up like either wanting to be trans or, 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 or who come out as trans, like maybe, you know, the, the, the kids now that are growing up, it seems to be more of a prevalent thing. It's becoming, well, it's just because now. now people are recognizing it and allowing it and not making mm -hmm. them feel like they're mentally ill. It's, it, I feel like it's an unreported part of history that I just don't know about. Oh, it is. It's yeah. huge. I mean, I mean, in first nations, um, uh, First Nations people for thousands of years have had people who are two-spirited, they call them, if they're gay, or um, uh, two-spirited if they come, they become trans trans people who wear different clothes because it reflects who they are, who they are. Mm -hmm. and they are recognized as gifted, right? They are gifted mm -hmm. this extra spirit by the Great Spirit, and they are they were, you know, venerated. And we're often like, you know, medicine people or, you know, storytellers or a, a number of really uh, valued roles in society until we came along. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you can look at historical pictures, photographs of, of someone in women's regalia who you look at and you recognize had been born a male. Hmm. You know, I, I think that we had just much more pejorative terms for for people who who decided that they they really didn't belong in their, you know, yeah. in their. Yeah, it was like, you know, transvestite or or or, or these other terms that were used for people. And, and, they, and they were kind of like they were considered like sick or something, you know, like yep. like, like they were just. Yeah. Pray away the gay. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that works. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I've, I've, parts of my family that are. Like I, I have um, two gay cousins and I attended one of their um, weddings l last year uh, mm -hmm. and my my uncle, who is um, his, it would have been his his niece that, that got married. You know, he attended the wedding, but his wife didn't because, you know, all these excuses. But right. really, it's it's like this hardcore in the bubble, conservative Christian thing like mm -hmm. You know, before the, before she got married, uh, there things were uttered like, "Oh, I hope that that she will um, meet a nice man someday," and like, you know, uh, all these yeah. things. Just didn't meet the right one. Thought she was gonna like, she's gonna grow out of it, right? Yeah, it's just a phase. But here, you know, you know, here's the, one of the hardest things that I find with that whole idea, that whole ideology. It's 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 not even doctrinal anymore. It's in according to Christianity. Christ Jesus died and after and you were supposed to ignore all the shit before it right yeah like you were supposed to once you once he was around and died you were supposed to follow the things that he taught only from then on and yet somehow our modern Christianity like you said goes and cherry picks all these things out of the Old Testament and the rest they throw away you know, we can't sell our daughters into slavery anymore, can we? Even nah. though the Bible says that it's okay. As long as we sell her to somebody that isn't blah, blah, blah. We can still buy slaves, but, you know, it's only if they're not of our race. You know, like that's old shit that we decided or that was supposed to be erased when Jesus was born. Right? But mm -hmm. the, the stuff about being gay and, and all that kind of stuff is still being cherry-picked. 
out of the Bible. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. It's, and not, new, it's not New Testament and it's, stuff. And it, and it really, this is just from my, this is from my perspective growing up religious and in the small community, we were a total bubble. If there was someone of a different race, it was like people were kind of accommodating, but also kind of looking at them out of the corner of their eyes. Casual, they, like, casual racism. <laughs> you kind of look a little like you don't look shifty or dress nice, but, you know, like, yeah. mm, I'm going to keep my eye on you. But it's like casual it, racism. what sure. I'm getting at is like things that are different make people uncomfortable. And if you're in this bubble, you never really mix with other people to where what i mean with what i mean by mix is just like talk just fucking talk to them mm -hmm. you don't they don't kids don't grow up with kids with different races in their schools so they don't they don't think they relate but you know what they probably do because they're all human so you know and, and and we didn't have i have one gay gay friend growing up in high school and he definitely was in the closet the whole time but we we kind of knew um, but it's because one of the one of the biggest pejorative terms that we could we, we used, you know, back in the day to insult somebody was even if they weren't, just call them a fag, and that just makes yeah. them feel bad. Yeah, you know. It, oh yeah, we 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 had that going on for sure. I mean, yeah. it, it, even into honestly, even into my twenties, I mean, it was still around gaming communities and stuff. It was still yeah. pretty prevalent. Use the word fag, and, and you know, and it, and it, and it, and it didn't and it didn't mean oh you're gay. It meant you know, just whatever. It it, it meant right. that you're kind of just you're a wuss right that's kind of what it meant yeah or would even you know see these i'm come there have been times when i've tried to champion the word pussy because <laughs> i mean people use you know female body parts as a, as a negative kind of yeah. you know well you call people a dick you call people a dick like we don't care true true yeah, but, but it, I mean, it's I know funny things because, aren't things aren't even on both sides. Like, no, no, no. I mean, it's yeah. not even a feminist. I, it's not even a feminist thing at this uh -huh. point for, for me. Thinking it's really funny that they use that word, mm. considering you know a woman's vagina like shoots out babies and <laughs> is the most resilient piece of our entire anatomy. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> You're using it wrong, back. man. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. But I, I, I'm trying to finish my point and then I want to go back to something else. Okay. And then okay. we're actually going to talk about like some like the thing that I the initially started. that's like an hour ago. <laughs> but we'll get to that. We'll get to it. Okay. This is kind of good conversation. Um, so what I was saying about people in bubbles and like mm -hmm. things making people uncomfortable, it just people are more comfortable to stay in that once they're in it. They yeah. and it's just so hard to shake people because it's generational. It's like generational homophobia. It's so it's yes. so wild. The city you know that I live in, that we yeah. have we have a we have a a funny term for Victoria where I live. We call it the velvet rut because you're in a rut, right? You're in yeah. a rut for sure, but it's real freaking comfortable. So you just want to stay there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally i i could see that for sure and i mean where where was what would i call the place i'm from i don't know the wheat belt the wheat <laughs> the wheat bubble <laughs> grow wheat stay in the bubble go to the church cowboy, the cowboy rut <laughs> <laughs> i mean we didn't have a lot there wasn't a lot of livestock it was a lot of farm like a lot of just uh open fields um why, anyway. don't, why don't we just blame it on the uh on the um elevation you know you get this yeah. long-term generational you know <laughs> i mean i really I, I a lot of this could could be solved with just just having a mixer like having a mixer have all people just 
give yeah. them free food and let them mingle with each other. Yeah. See what yeah. happens. Maybe oh, that sounds dangerous, here. but like, you know, like <laughs> if, if people feel safe and they feel they're well fed and everything, like mm-hmm. what, what do you really have to worry about? I mean, that that's really the, 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 the genesis of like all of the, the cultural debates that, that are going on now. People don't have a whole lot else to, to be concerned about. There isn't a big issue hanging all over all of our heads besides maybe, you know, all of the economical struggles, but people aren't having to flee their homes besides like natural disasters and things that happen like that. But, you know, now we're actually growing culturally, which is, which is um, healthy, but there has to be a point where I feel like there has to be a point where you don't compel people to the the whole compelled speech thing. I just can't get over that. I just, that one, that one I struggle with because if you're the people that you're putting in charge of, of setting up the boundaries for these things, I feel like they, they have ulterior motives. I don't know. Well, I mean, okay, sorry. Any, you're, you're right. Any politician will have an ulterior, ulterior motive yeah. for anything they do because the whole plan for being there now is that they get to be there next time. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that when the ulterior motive is to do what people really want you to do yeah. and you do it, you know, that usually works out pretty well. <laughs> if you if you give the government that control and they start they start the line, maybe it's it's in the middle and then it shifts so far to the left to where nobody can say anything. That's that that's the danger. That's, part. Not, it's, a, it's, that's not even a, exclusively a left thing. That, that, I, 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 I didn't mean I didn't mean the left right thing. I just oh, just, okay. like, just just like the the um the needle the needle's in the middle and it has right. to move one way or another. Where it co- like like more control that people have and mm-hmm. less control. It's like strict or less strict or however you want to say. It's like right. man, what, it's it's it's. it's well, a, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good start, but I just don't yeah. know. Like, can you can you protect people without? compelling speech can you can you can you um somehow some somehow determine can can you determine i'm sorry i keep talking over you i just wanted to i just wanted to finish finish this and i want to listen to to your thoughts on it um can you do that and somehow uh also determine intent uh, of what they're saying it, it what's dangerous what's not and it, is there a way to do that i i think the way to please everybody is to protect everybody yeah and then if someone is charged with with one of those offenses, they go to a tribunal and it's it's a human rights tribunal. What happens like to the tribunal? Rights. Well, they, they, they talk about everything that led up to it. What was what was said, mm-hmm. the impact of what was said. And then there's some kind of determination made. Can you know? can, can can anybody like if you make a complaint, is a tribunal like mandatory? Like how do they determine um, well, they review whatever your case is. And hmm. I mean, it can be anything. Like, I have a friend, who, like... a friend of mine um, um, won her human rights tribunal because a landlord tried to um, discriminate against her and her family um, by the number of children they had that they wanted to rent his house. And he decided he didn't want to rent to a family. He wanted to rent to whatever and discriminated against them without interviewing them based on the number of kids they had. So she took him to the human rights tribunal and she won. Of course. And, you know, and so, but that's exactly what that's for, you know, like there is a, there's a, there's a procedure where you can weed out all of Mm. the, um, does this, 
yeah, weed out all of the false reports and stuff like that. Yeah, hold on a second. Just, just, just. Like, what are you doing here, uh, pal? Petty stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, petty stuff. Yeah. Um, or just like, yeah, he said my farts stink, and that's so oh, interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, you know? then, it, then it just becomes vindictive and, and stupid. Like, maybe they did stink. Uh, but Canadians uh, are by hmm. not by nature litigious people. We don't sue each other. Hmm. We don't have like, I feel a huge like maybe. Yeah, I, I feel like the media maybe blows this up a lot it gets it gets overblown a lot and you know because it gets clicks or whatever but um but i mean we have commercials that we see on tv that are american commercials for people that jump in on the class action lawsuit <laughs> of you know this this stupid thing and i mean it, i'm sure that everything has affected your life yeah you know and i guess in the states it's probably more necessary because you don't have a, a medical system that will support somebody through their cancer that they got by using baby powder on their hoo-hoo, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, but that's there's commercials on TV for that. But the thing is, yeah. is we, we will protect and, and help people medically in, you know, we, you know, you don't have to pay for that shit here. Is it so we just don't it, have the need. Is it possible for someone to, to face a one of these tribunals for let's say like an online insult? If it's if it's like against a Canadian citizen, yes. If it's serious enough, um, I mean, against a Canadian citizen, can we get somebody else from another country in on it? You mean, like if you? Well, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, you wouldn't be. Tra yeah, I, I, that's not where I was going with it, but that is interesting. I don't know if I don't there's know, any I precedent. Don't... I don't know any precedent for it. It would have to be pretty serious. It would have yeah. to be more of a legal aspect than a than a. Mm. I, I feel like I feel like I need to have more like examples of how these have gone, like. To, to have to really like form an opinion and like who really cares what my opinion is of it i don't know but i'm curious to to learn more about the the subject and it's something <laughs> it's 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 i mean it's something to good to um, pay attention to because it is it, don't you feel like it is sort of like a uh, a sea change when it comes to human rights and, and things like that absolutely in my lifetime there has been yeah. a huge change and mm -hmm. in you know I'm i'm really glad that that your country has such an amazing rich history of people, um, you know, speaking up for their rights as human beings. Yeah. You know, I, that's, it, that's one of the and things that I admire. Fucking, about people your fucking die. Country. A lot of people have died for, you know, for, for the progress that, and I'm not talking about, not talking about wars. I'm talking about like, you know, protests and, yeah, you know, we uh -huh. went through slavery in this country and, slavery we, we did too to a certain extent a very yeah. small extent way back you know before it was outlawed here but yeah it's uh we we instead went with indentured servitude you know which has a <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean it's a it's a it's a fancy name for it huh well you know they, they did get they did get paid or uh didn't weren't ever owned or something right. so okay. it's, we, we can stand on our high horse on that one. Oh boy now <laughs> were, were you born you were born you've been you lived in canada your whole life i was born on this very island okay gotcha and so was my mom and my grandmother and yeah her father and his father and yeah and my children <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah. are you are you pretty proud of that like do you, i am it's a very yeah. it's a rare rare thing it's a very beautiful piece of of the world. It's Vancouver Island is 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 unique um, in uh, its climate and you know geology um, and culture. Even you know it's once I don't know once you move something onto an island or some people onto an island, the world goes a little slower and it's okay. 
like people from fast, busy places sometimes don't really appreciate it because people have a sort of a laid back. Yeah, I'll get to that in just a minute kind of attitude. <laughs> and when you're from here, you're used to it. It doesn't, you don't care. But when you're from a really fast paced thing place yeah. and, and people don't like have things done, like bang, 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 <laughs> you know, they get annoyed by it. And they just like, why are these people so slow and lazy? It's, it's like, a healthier way to live chill. though. Exactly. Anxiety like, causes ulcers or not anxiety, yeah. but the, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Maybe it is anxiety, but all these things that cause, people, that cause problems, man. Yeah. I tell people about Stress, things that happen yeah. here all the time and people don't believe me. You know, like I don't, yeah. I don't lock my door. I don't lock my car. <laughs> I leave my purse on, on my seat of my car when I go in the store. Oh man. Oh I, man. You'd be you know, in for a rude like, awakening if you're I, in the U.S. Yeah, man. We got people, I, we got porch pirates. It's Christmas season. Oh my God. Porch pirates. Right. I <laughs> that's, forgot about that's that. a big thing. Everyone's got a camera on their freaking door because yeah. there's people that go around steal packages. Now I saw a, uh, I saw a video today. It's like ABC News or something, and and the police, police, police across the country are cracking down. They're putting out these fake packages that are uh, they have trackers in them. Oh, They're, you know, they have like. I saw stuff. one guy do a glitter bomb with one. Mark Rober, I think it was right. Oh, that, guy? that was just made me yeah. so happy. <laughs> yeah, and they put like a big stink bomb in it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So so we it. got that. You it. got that, and you got it. It's, it's like much more chill. There's a uh, some sort of statistic on the um the amount of people in a city mm -hmm. and like and like the amount of traffic and stuff like people walk faster and they and yeah. they uh they're just like much more deliberate with with what they're doing they're not like lingering loitering you know taking their time it's just like everything is go 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 i mean mm -hmm. look, look at like a time time lapse of new york city or something you know it's like that's crazy yeah it's a different world time lapse on downtown victoria would be a little <laughs> bit different because marijuana is legal marijuana yeah. is legal oh, is. And people, yeah. but even before like it was legalized okay the last time i got caught smoking pot <laughs> okay by the police it was in the 90s Mm. And the policeman came up to me and he said, excuse me, miss, <laughs> but <laughs> you're going to have to go and smoke that somewhere else. <laughs> it wasn't like, complaining. Wasn't like, if it was your, it would have been like, you drop that roach right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> no it was, down on the ground. <laughs> it was dad cop. Dad cop came down uh. with his thumbs and his pants just do, do 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 with the big you know like every i think it's like uh, you get bonus points if you have that big cop mustache you know oh yeah sure so that's what he had and he was just plenty is just nice as mm. pie you know what he didn't ride up on a horse come on it's canada oh, come on. okay yeah sure he rode up on a horse <laughs> shiny sparkly just lean into the stereotypes there. okay yeah no you only wear those for special occasions you know oh okay yeah. surge it's called in my in my head, it, but what I had, what I see is you know a cop riding a horse, but it's somehow it's also they're also dressed with like the I don't know the, the Mounties have a different uniform. yeah the red it's called the red surge it's that red outfit with the yeah. flat hat and the whole thing but yeah. it wasn't a flat hat in my head it was a big puffy hat like oh. a royal guard Ooh. for some reason I don't Ooh. think that's oh, right like though with the, with the with the tails on them or the or the um, <laughs> the ones with their like the giant bearskin hats like super yeah. duper like yeah no those are in England only I'm afraid yeah now we're gonna get into something that we we were talking about like an hour ago 
<laughs> like where, where all this started i don't know how it all started oh, but like okay. you were we uh, how it all starts like you played D back in the yeah. 80s i was like yes. is it was there satanic panic no if somebody said it's it's about satanism they would say <laughs> interesting <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> we're just so scared in this country we were scared we actually my stepmom this was after my dad married my stepmom because my mom had passed when I, when I was really young, I don't really remember much of her. I don't know how she where she would have fell in on the religious spectrum, but mm-hmm. like my stepmom had us pray for our cousin because he mm-hmm. played D and D. Oh and, no! <laughs> and he he was possibly going to be going to the dark side, boys. Oh well, that's yeah. where all my friends live. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I. You know, it took until I was like in high school to where, you know, I heard my friends were playing like my friends aren't Satanists. And I, and did I really believe like I thought <laughs> I, I, I kind of believed that maybe like the D&D handbook at a time was was like the book of Satan or dark. something. Yeah, yeah well, wasn't because there, I, wasn't I was there a, movie, a Tom Hanks movie like way back where he actually went crazy. He was probably schizophrenic. And it was, it all started with him doing like LARPing, like they did the, <laughs> they LARPed it. And then no he ended way. up going crazy and having a coin in, underneath his pillow that appeared underneath <laughs> his pillow every day because it was magic. Because his mom, he lived at his parents' oh, house no. and his mom kept putting this coin back under his pillow. For oh the- no, I don't know. If, if, yeah, that's, a, if, that, if that's a movie, we got to look that up after this. That's we'll, the thing. I'll post it. Tom Hanks. We'll have to post it in the show movie. notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did you actually, how do you actually get your start? Like how, like, do you have friends that played or? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I had friends that played and it just seemed like a cool, fun, nerdy thing to do for the theater kid. Uh, you know? Like, like, okay. So you were into theater, you're into kind of performance. Yep. You, yep. you got into playing these characters and yep. we've gotten an hour and a half into this. Yes. Maybe a little bit less. And uh-huh. we still haven't um, explained like how we know each other. We met. Through a mutual Play friend, Thog- <laughs> Thoglor playing D&D. You know, Thoglor is this guy who I adore. Somebody who I met through, uh, you know, another streamer on Twitch. This is how it all goes. It's mm-hmm. it's a cycle. We all get to meet really cool people from around the world. And yeah. he ushered me into the world of D&D just real casual. Like, hey, I was like, I don't know. I'm scared. Like, I don't know anything <laughs> about this. He's like, it's yeah. okay. My campaigns are designed for newer players and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, we can do it. I was really nervous. My first campaign didn't go super well. It was, I was so uptight. But over the years, like, I've gotten more comfortable with it. And it is really interesting to be, to, uh, to put yourself in, uh, like, outside your comfort zone like that. And, mm-hmm. and it's not like people who, who don't understand role play. It's not like total escapism. And it's not like, Oh, I wish I was this person. So, and all that. It, it's 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 like <laughs> act, it's acting to an extent, and it's it is. and then it's, it's exploring your creative creative side, like outside of yourself. And it's the fantasy is cool, you know. It it's is not super cool. Yeah, and like you said, Thog really he makes it so accessible, and he has a, he has a remarkable ability to to be both like do things impromptu right off the fly if if one of us fucks up a story so badly that he can't do what he was planning he's just like without you don't even know he's done it you don't even know because he just says fuck it all we're gonna go do this you know and he doesn't even make us do anything it's like 
all right, what do you guys want to do? What's going to happen? And, and we make it up and he tells us how we do it. And, and, you know, you never have to, like, you, you can always try. When Thog, yeah. when Thog says, what do you want to do? You can always try. Like, it, it may not be something that's <laughs> orthodox or in the yeah. rules or, or use, there's something that normally people would do. But if you say that you want to do it, he's going to give you a chance yeah. to try. So what, you know? Yeah. And what were, what were parts of, of being in, and by the way, I totally agree. Like all of that, uh, Thoglore has just really made it. He's ushered in so many people like myself that didn't understand it, but given it, he's like empowered us to like, exactly. To, and, and, and it's just, it's, it's people that are just anxious and like, not sure where to start. And I was surprised to learn, you know, you know, Lou, um, learning from him that like, he doesn't have much of a D and D background. But he's just such a creative fucking uber genius that, that it just it just fit and, and, and you would what. never guess you would never yeah. guess. So yeah. Um, yeah, I did an episode with with him. People should go back and listen to it. Story time with Lou. We're gonna do another oh, one. Man. I think in about a month. Pretty good. Um, you know, and I I hope that, I hope that you'll come back and do another episode um, sometime. You know, we can follow up and you know we don't have to always talk politics and stuff like that but whenever sure. whenever that whenever there is something like that that comes up and i'm curious like i want to hear your side of it sure. and yeah. i won't admit i won't admit like if i don't know like if i'm not going to just spout a bunch of stuff i don't know i like to <laughs> i like to uh I, I like to hear i like I like to hear things from all sides so i was happy that you shared that let's get back into this what, what was it about um uh, theater that you enjoyed the perform like how did you get into that starting out with um, <laughs> i started out with that as a kid actually okay um, my did, parents did your mom, did, what was your mom or your dad or anybody else in your family interested in that or was it something that nope. no? no i was no they put me in they put me in this like kids um drama group as okay. a kid yeah and it was amazing and it was something that i enjoyed doing and i just carried on with it over time got into high school and was was it natural for you or was it just like a a required activity oh no no that was definitely an elective yeah okay yeah yeah Yeah. you you, you know you know for some kids they're like uh their parents like you have to do something you have to be in some kind of activity you can't just do nothing you're either going to be in 4-h or you're going to be in sports or (laughs) it never really does what they want to do but it seems like you this is something that really like were you kind of like a social butterfly in, in school? As oh, for told? sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it yeah. seems like you would be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I did go through my my stupid broody period. Of course. Of were you the, the teenage? Oh my god, yes, I yes, had a mole. I knew it. Yes, I did, and I had. The, I, awesome. I was one of the first people in my school to get their nose pierced and Sweet. all that. <laughs> so did you, sure. did you, but you carried on with drama the whole time. Yes. Or, or theater or however you want to call it. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, either or. Um, <laughs> and then and then eventually, like, some of your friends started playing D&D and you yep. dove in. Dove in to the red and, box. Oh, cool. And and yeah, how, right? how, how did uh, what I was going to get at here is, like, how did you did you develop some of some of the characters that you play now? Did you develop develop any of them back then or have they all kind of been like impromptu? Oh. Was there any well, kind of like no. kind, of, kind of like our archetypes of things that you've used? No, I've evolved. I think a lot from. I mean, for the first while, almost every character I played was a elven ranger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back in the day, okay. it and was now, all fantasy based, huh? All 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, actually, simpler times, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, no, it was just a, it was just you know what I wanted to do. I wanted to sure. be the dude that like you know could shoot anything from anywhere and flip around and oh. you know the ninja elf. You know, <laughs> I well, like that idea. But now, I mean. I mean, you could go through like all of the, the progression of your characters and maybe that would be interesting. You know, how like how do you feel? Do you feel like with more more exposure to different types of campaigns and that kind of got your mind yeah. working? Oh, yeah. Well, there's, there's always. And the, and the thing is, is like now with with 5e, I mean, there's just more shit all the time and there's just more to do and more to think about. And um, I mean, what wizards have done over the last while um, they have really stepped into the next century. <laughs> you know, there's been an entire yeah. new Wizard, wave. Wizards, the, 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 the creators of, of D&D, you know, writers yeah. of the handbook and all that. So what do you prefer nowadays? Do you prefer um, fantasy realm, more kind of like the, the grounded in reality stuff that the campaign that we played was... No, you're dead. And yeah. did we do it? Did we do another one together? I don't. Th I think that was the one. No, I think that was it. That was the one. That's really the one I've been kind of. And uh, we've done a couple of side campaigns, uh, like um, one-offs. I don't know if you were there for any of those, but uh, what do you prefer nowadays? Is it is it a mix? I, I, I don't have a pref I don't have a preference really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I started um, I started writing my own campaign and created a. A sort of a hybrid, I guess, between D and D and, um, but some, modern some other tabletop games or modern D and D, but with um, with real scenarios. Like I actually wrote a Wild West, like oh, yeah, takes nice. place in takes place in a real place in Texas, okay. you know, shortly after um, the Civil War. Okay. And the amount of the amount of stuff that I had as a Canadian kid, <laughs> you know, that I learned about your sort of Wild West post, you know, after Civil War to in order to run this campaign, it was it was pretty intense. <laughs> All the did shit you, I had to learn. Did you actually go through with it? Yeah. Oh, and, yeah, and when, not, when was you know, this? It, well, it was. It's it's still sort of in. Um, in pro, you're, you're in you're in kind of like intermission in between. Yeah, definitely. Seasons or, or however you want to say. Yeah, and I really have to pick it back up again because it just okay. hasn't back into place. But is this it, where does where does this exist? Was it something you did with just with me, kind of offline me on Discord? <laughs> oh, okay. No, is this something yeah, and, well, and, and roll twenty, of course, but like no. Okay. Yeah, no. roll roll twenty, the, the the sort of online tabletop that people use. Yes. I, I have to assume that some people that listen don't know a whole lot about D and D. You know, you well, never know. But that's what we're here for, isn't it? There you go. Bring uh, your children into our devil worshiping <laughs> club. Too. Would you ever consider? <laughs> yeah, the devil worshippers. I'm a total devil worshipper. <laughs> Hell Satan. Uh, I actually know devil worshippers. I know people yeah. who are part of yeah the church. How church. How hardcore do they get? I mean, it's I mean, it, it, you would be you would be astonished at how normal it is. Hmm. You really would. You would. You would. <laughs> if I just wrote it down for you and you read it out, you and then and then I told you at the end, the, you know, the the punchline was that it's actually Church of Satan rules. You would yeah. just you would die. You would flip. It's yeah. uh, pretty pretty normal. Hmm. Like, would you ever consider doing kind of like what Buckle has done, 
with a campaign and he like he's he was doing he was dming a campaign on on sippy tango a uh, friend of mine who is i love sippy a, tango yeah he's cool he's a little face he's so sweet <laughs> like would you ever do something like that or or, or you want to can't or are you still kind of get your legs under you when it comes to this type of thing well i mean at the moment maybe that's um, not the point of it no, no, it's just, it's right now my, my work life is pretty challenging oh. because I, well, I work night shift. I work oh, yeah. to eight in the morning shift to come home, mm. get my kids, send them off to work. And, you know, take your um, kids and send them off to work huh? at school. I mean, sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. no, Some of that sounded really, really like I was like, I know that's not right. But if that was true, <laughs> well, your yeah. kids are working the day shift. You're working the night yeah, shift. Kids are in the day yeah. shift. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they feel like they're working. That's for sure. Uh, but no, yeah. It's, so, so like so like normal, normal adult, like daytime hours, you're like sleeping. I'm asleep. I'm asleep while they're at school. And then when they get home, I get up and do the dinnery things. And, and I'm trying not to be online um, while they're awake. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so makes sense. there's just really, I mean, because they go to bed at, you know, 730, 8 o'clock kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't really want to be online while they're awake. You know, I, I did I did that for too long. And I, yeah. and I know how much time I stole yeah. from them for my yeah. own gain. That's- that's that's what I was that's what I was gonna say. You're you're stealing time away from them to that. Uh, you know, as a mom, I, I I can't imagine how that feels. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was it was necessary for me for a while. Um, I don't think some, I don't think we've ever really talked about um, the fact that I have but I live with PTSD. You mm-hmm. know, I'm a person who is in the medical field, and I you know went through some serious trauma part of my man like my coping to get through it was to play D D. Oh and, okay. Yeah. And so I played a lot of D D and it got me through. Really. Like, I mean, being part of um Thog's community saved my life. Wow. That's really beautiful, man. That's <clears throat> I didn't know that. Yep. So yeah. the, the 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 did you did you want to expand more on that or is it just or is it just kind of like a statement like it really helps you like well i mean there are certain things that it will will people will come to in a time of need and it can be any kind of thing but i mean i mean people fall people go into religion people go yeah. people drink a lot people have yeah. all these different different mechanisms to help themselves through a situation that is difficult mm. And it can be fairly maladaptive and you, you can do things for the wrong reasons. And um, so there is a combination, I think, uh, that I'm coming to the realization that I did take too much time to do that, to look after mm-hmm. myself. And, to ne- and I neglected my children for too long. But, um, but, but you healed along the way and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, at least to an extent, of course, you're not. I mean, nobody ever really fully heals from that. I, I, I can't imagine. It's always kind of uh, it's a memory. It's always with you. But yeah. you're definitely well, I mean, better. I'm still in therapy. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's gonna be a lifetime thing, yeah. I'm sure. But you're definitely like you're you're healthier now as a result. I am. I can imagine. I'm a lot healthier. And and I'm helping my children by being more convenient. Yeah, it's great. You know, and I, I think that's you know, it's really kind of well, I mean, I'm sure it, it was just like your instinct. You you realize after a certain amount of time that that you needed to just be um 
present more, I guess. Yeah, um, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. They were very, very, very understanding. Very, Aww. very understanding for well, you're one, the time the that one, I the, the one kid you got, she's like light years ahead of, uh, <laughs> of, I'm of so, maybe other. Yeah. I'm so crazy. blessed. I'm that's so blessed. Crazy. Yeah. So your character, Jenny, that, mm. that you had, explain that character and, and, and maybe if there's any sort of a real life inspirations for, for that character. Cause I, 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 I love that character. Oh. Um, from our campaign. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, uh, Jean-Vierre Duval, she was, uh, um, a doctor. I don't know. I, I, she was quite irreverent all, you know, despite the fact that she was someone who grew up in a, in a very, um, interesting household that her father was um was himself in the medical medical field he was a he was a surgeon and her life was quite controlled by by her family but her she just wanted to escape from where she lived to to go to the states and become a doctor where she was you know where she was she wanted to go and do her own thing and be her own person without having to have daddy you know control her <laughs> okay I don't know she still managed to find goodness in people and um it's despite the, the this the serious you know stuff that was going on in her life as a character and and was there was there other she had some experience in in dealing with sort of um wartime setting is that is so, that, yeah that's that when true? we were yeah we're, we were we were stuck in a in a post-apocalyptic oh true yeah, situation where before, we were like I, I guess before our characters met she kind of survived and had been uh -huh. through some some serious stuff but yet mm -hmm. you were kind of like the the calming force among the group other people being a bit more skeptical and you were more kind of willing to it was almost like the <laughs> the the um quintessential like doctor you know always wanting to 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 help where where needed you know, my character being being kind of like just a rip off of a Walking Dead character. Um, I, I did end up kind of evolving him over time. Yeah, he was. I mean, it was amazing how close we were as as characters. Yeah. In that game. And it like, I mean, to the point where we were like, I mean, Je Jenny was crying all the time yeah. you know because things kept happening oh my god when you got yeah. killed oh yeah oh. you know if you, oh spoilers just kidding um people don't even know <laughs> some people might be uh yeah might have remembered that from from watching thog stream but anyway i got, I got uh, so much trouble for crying on, on the stream and you know i remember people saying oh no jenny's crying again <laughs> <She's>, you know, <laughs> No, it made it kind of compelling. I think you know. Well, if you people, it, cry yeah, I, I guess if people want to know, I'll give a brief rundown of my character. You know, Duke Duke Johnston. He's based off of the guy from The Walking Dead, or no, Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, what's his name? John, the guy with the guy with the hat. You know, he's kind of like a uh, kind of like a backcountry like uh, police officer, and he he kind of exiled himself because he accidentally shot somebody, and he really couldn't forgive himself for it, and that was kind of the basis for my guy is that, you know, like he, it was the same, it was really like the same story. You know, he, he wanted to, he wanted to like protect and serve, but one time, you know, he wasn't used to stressful situations. So like he accidentally shot someone. Well, no, yeah. It's either he accidentally shot him, but anyway, he shot someone who was like robbing the, the gas station and 
the person like bled out. He didn't like shoot to maim. He like tried to shoot. So he would just injure the guy and it ended up, he, the guy ended up bleeding out and he didn't really mean for that to happen, but he could never really forgive himself, you know? So eventually he, um, he made his way out and he didn't really feel like he deserved anything, you know, like he, he never, he was always on like a road to redemption, but yet he was like very, he was like a very skilled, um, outdoorsman and all these things, but he always kind of had that, that chip on his shoulder, you know, to where he could never really repay his debt for, and, and for, for the longest time, like, well, his thing was like, he was really skilled with guns, but he didn't want to use them because he knew the damage it did. And he didn't like want to kill innocent people. And he was just like, but eventually he's like, screw it. It's the apocalypse. Like <laughs> we right. got to uh, do, do it to like, he got like grew this like great bond with the other characters in the campaign, you know? Yeah. And like, and he eventually end, felt loyal. Yeah. And he, and he sacrificed himself. Yeah. Basically, you know, like, li like, literally almost jumped on a grenade is yeah. basically how he died. Yeah. So, a couple of my characters have kind of gone out like that. The one guy was like, leave me. I, I had, I'd gotten bitten, like, leave me be mm -hmm. <laughs> basically, you know, and this guy jumps on a grenade. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it makes you, it, it gives you that, that, that classic feeling of, yeah, he didn't deserve to die. You know? No, he didn't. And he yeah. was, we, he was so like, it was such a, a sacrificial, you know, situation where he, mm. he, he really did like, go on the you know mm. beyond the call of his own duty for for to do it you know yeah. um it, it was just oh it was so beautiful yeah but 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 your your character um jenny was just like it was just like you know the voice and in the in the mannerisms and everything it was just so spot on it was kind of just it kind of made you feel feel all warm and tingly like this is this is somebody who i would want taking care of me you know in the apocalypse <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was great. We had a good time um, with it. It was, it so was are, even the awful parts of it, you know, like we somehow managed to really kind of enjoy ourselves in some yeah. of the worst scenarios possible. It's cool. With Thoglor <laughs> as the as the astute DM. Um mm -hmm. uh some other good uh, favorite recent characters that you that you've done or any campaigns that are you're not involved with any right now, right? No, not at the moment. Yeah. No. Nope. Um, I've done a fair amount of playing, you know, playing role play through in uh, GTA RP. Sure. And, and, and Conan RP. Oh, my God. Conan RP. Oh, yeah. It's super yeah. fun. You get to do some, <laughs> like, completely outrageous, weird shit, yeah. you know, and I've enjoyed that. I'm really looking forward to picking up um, Red Dem. Red Dead Redemption too, yeah. I want that so bad, so I can yeah. be like, I won't be, I won't, I won't ride a horse. And do you, you, do you gravitate towards that setting a lot, huh? I do, I do. Nice. I want to, I want to see, I want to hear that. I want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to rob trains. You know, I want to rob trains. Convince Thog to do myself. a Wild West campaign. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there I want to own a, I want, I want to own a like a brothel or something. To yeah. <laughs> Just something completely. Yeah. Twitch.tv slash the Thoglord, by the way. I'll put the link yeah. in, the, in, the, in the description for people. They can check him out. Um, he's got a couple new cam. He's always got something new going on over there. Mm -hmm. um, well, hey, you know, this has been this has been really cool to hear a bit more about your background and like 
just just about Canada. <laughs> Things well, I didn't know. I can't believe how much we've talked about all the most like <laughs> taboo subjects. <laughs> we've talked this, politics and religion. This is, and this is totally. I, I wanted to talk. I actually, I came on here wanting to talk about religion. I wanted to express a little bit about like how I didn't really even talk about my own. But let's let's say that for a minute. We'll put a pin in that one. I don't think okay. we got time. All right. But uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time here. But um. <laughs> We've already done like almost two hours. I know uh, it's crazy. It's gone by. Yeah, so quick. we'll we'll do it again sometime. Maybe maybe we'll delve into the dark waters of whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yes, <laughs> but no, this is this is the freedom of doing a format like this. We couldn't have these conversations on Twitch. It's always like, man, I'd really like to talk about this, but I can't. I just shouldn't say it. I shouldn't, you know, because it's like, well, I mean. <laughs> You know, it's not it's not about like certain words I can't say. It's just like certain topics that really don't belong there. And right. there's the, there's the chat, and then the chat starts arguing, and it's like, well, that's not really uh, a healthy form of yeah, yeah. But this <laughs> this where you talk one on one. This is where you can learn more as long as you listen. And I hope that I didn't talk over you too much during that. No, um, I I got some I got some opinions, but I'm not like deeply rooted in those either. I'm just, I guess, I guess maybe it's more skepticism than anything. Um, Fair enough. I mean, I don't know if you don't, if you don't consider things, if you don't like, what's that, that phrase that's saying about the the unexplored life is not worth living, you know? Yeah, man. If there's any regrets that I have, which uh, it's bullshit if people say they don't live their life without regrets, it's human nature. It's it's that I didn't I that I, I was so closed off like culturally and in, in, in that because just because of how I was brought up and that that I didn't seek out more information that I didn't continue school or I didn't travel abroad all these things that could have expanded my mind like I almost wish that I would have been born uh, in the year 2000 so I would have been in the internet age so at least I would have had I think that kids have a jumpstart at least the information is spreading so much quicker Mm. you know like i wish for that but instead i was the class of 2000 not born in 2000 right i don't know i think i think every generation has its its pluses and minuses you know for sure yeah but we're evolving in the right direction i feel i hope i do feel that i do feel that but as long as technology doesn't kill us or we kill each other (laughs) whatever um Oh, that's that's a great way to end it, huh? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> how can people find you if they want to interface with you? How can they find you? Well, I mean, uh, I don't stream on Twitch, but um, yeah. you can find me on Twitch regardless. Um, Shalom Salam on Twitch. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also Shalom Salam on Twitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. You are a great person. I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Two hours later, my friend. <laughs> lovely thank you for inviting me of course we'll do it again excellent music in this episode is from the artist data rebel audio mixing help from my friend tipsy jack coming up on the podcast we've got more conversations i've got quite a few lined up so january is going to be a fun month you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Emotive Podcast and all relevant links as always on our website pod.co slash emotive. 
Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.